question is, what treasure do you seek in your heart? And because treasures are a matter of the heart. In the movie, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? I don't know if you've ever seen it. It's one of my favorite movies. It's hilarious. But it has a spiritual meaning. It's many different spiritual connotations. In, in the movie, uh, Pete and Delmar get baptized. But we see that Everett, who's George Clooney, and Pete and Delmar, they're chained together in prison in Mississippi in 1930. Everett knows that his wife is about to get married, and he wants to stop her. So he convinces Pete and Delmar that he has hidden $1.2 million after robbing an armored car, and he promises them if they'll break out with him that he'll split it with them. And uh, you see in the clip, the blind man somehow knows that they're chained, he, and he prophesies over what's going to take place. He says, you seek a great fortune. You'll find a fortune, though it be not the fortune you seek. But first you must travel a long and difficult road, a road fraught with peril. But fear not the obstacles in your path, for fate has vouchfed, which means given, your reward. Thou, though the road be wind, may wind, yea, your hearts grow weary, still you will follow them, even unto salvation. And another part of the, another part of the movie, there, uh, this Pete and Del, Pete uh, gets away from Delmar and, and uh, Everett, but somehow they're in this movie theater, and Pete comes in with the chain gang, and he's sitting in the back, and he tells him, do not seek the treasure. Do not seek the treasure. It's an ambush. You see, many times the treasures we seek are truly an ambush. I want to talk about the heart today, and I want to ask you, what is the treasure that you seek? What do you spend your, the majority of your time thinking about? What are the things that cause you worry fear or anxiety today we're in a day in which you know I've lost a couple of friends to COVID there are issues with health issues with finances you might have an issue with your family or your ch children relationships your marriage regrets over the past or some type of mistake you've made or a loss in first Samuel we see another issue dealing with the heart we see that uh, in, in 1 Samuel 15, Samuel has anointed Saul as king of Israel. And as he does, uh, God commands Saul. He says, I want you to go, and I want you to kill, I want you to go and capture Amalek, and I want you to utterly destroy them. Amalek had, uh, had given Israel a big time after they came out of Egypt. And so God remembers that and he tells him I want you to kill everyone I want you to kill man woman child I want you to kill every animal that they have don't spare one totally just annihilate them and uh, and so we see that the Lord told them to attack them and uh, so Saul takes 210,000 men and he attacks Amalek but the problem was that Saul did not obey the voice of the Lord he saved Agag, the king, and he saved the best sheep, the oxen, 
the fatlings, the rams, and all that was good, they were unwilling to utterly destroy them. In other words, he saved the treasure. He saved the best. And he didn't do what God commanded. How many times in our life does God tell us to do something, and instead what we do is we figure out a way to rationalize why we don't do what he said? Well, Saul did the same thing. And, uh, and it says that the Lord regretted, says, I've regretted, regretted setting up Saul as king, for he's turned back from following me and has not performed my commandments. And it grieved Samuel, and he cried out to the Lord all night. And Saul said, For the people spared the best of the sheep to sacrifice to the Lord. See, many times what happens is when we don't follow what God says, we rationalize we think in our mind, oh, I've got a better idea. He didn't, kill, he, he didn't kill the best of the animals because they decided they were going to offer them a sacrifice to the Lord. You know, it's almost like I'm not going to follow you because I'm going to do something better. I'm going to use them to make sacrifice unto you. And uh, Samuel said, why didn't you obey the voice of the Lord? And Saul said, but I have obeyed the voice. I brought back Agag, king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed all everyone else. Well, he did. He said, but the people took the plunder, the sheep, the best of the things which should have been utterly destroyed to sacrifice to the Lord your God. You know, it reminds me of the Garden of Eden when God asked Adam, you know, what have you done? Have you eaten the forbidden fruit? And he said, the woman you gave me. The woman you gave me, she made me eat. And, the woman, and then the woman said, the snake, the serpent that you created, he convinced me to eat. We have a way of blaming others for the things, the reason we don't obey God. And, uh, and so as a result, Samuel says, he says, has the, Lord, has the Lord great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? In other words, is it better to sacrifice unto the Lord or to obey his voice? As in obeying the voice, it says, Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And he says these words, he says, For rebellion is as a sin of witchcraft. He compares not following the voice of the Lord to witchcraft. And then it says, And stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry, because you've rejected the word of the Lord. He's also rejected you from being king. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned, for I have transgressed. Transgressed means, you know, there's iniquity where you just kind of slide into sin. Transgression is when you know it's wrong and you decide you're going to do it anyway. You tell your child not to touch something, and they look at you and they touch it. They know it's wrong, but they're going to do it anyway. Well, that's what he said. I transgressed the commandment of the Lord and your words because I've feared, feared the people and obeyed their voice. And as, instead of fearing God, he feared the people. And he, he did it. He said, now, therefore, please pardon me of my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. Saul said, yeah, I did it. I did it. But please forgive me. Make it go away as if nothing else is... And let us just go on like nothing else happened. Well, God didn't see it that way. Samuel said to Saul, he said, I will not return to you, 
for you've rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. Samuel turned, he turned around to leave, and Saul grabbed his robe, and it tore. And he said, today the kingdom will be torn from you, and you'll no longer be king of Israel. But what happened was, nevertheless, it says Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord regretted that he made Saul king of Israel. It's interesting that Saul was the one who anointed him. When you have a way in starting something or building something, you hate to see it fall. You hate to see it stop. And there's a sense of regret when it doesn't come through the way you think it, it will. And so what took place was in chapter 16, verse 1, you know, Samuel sitting there grieving over Saul. And the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, seeing I've rejected him from, being, from reigning over Israel? I want to ask you, you know, in our lives, how many times do we have regret and we mourn and we grieve over things? Grieving is that of losing something. It might be losing a job. It might be losing a house through a flood. It might be losing a person. It might be losing someone to death. It might be losing something that you really planned on and hoped on. But he said, how long will you mourn for Saul, saying I've rejected him from reigning over Israel? And he tells him, it's time to get up and go do what I want to tell you. Fill your horn with oil and go. I'm sending you to Jesse, the Benjaminite, and I have provided for myself a king among his sons. He used to take a horn, a cow horn, fill it with oil, and it, they put wax over it to keep it from spilling out. And he's telling him, I want you to go and anoint one of Jesse's sons as the new king. And Samuel said, how shall I go? If Saul hears me, he'll kill me. It was funny that Saul didn't, he feared the not obeying the people instead of not obeying God. We see, uh, we, we see Samuel fearing Saul. If I go, he's going to find out about it. He's going to kill me. He said, but the Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Then invite Jesse and to the sacrifice, and I'll show you what you shall do. You shall anoint for me the one that I named to you. So Samuel did what the Lord said. You know, that's, that's the key. Do we do what the Lord said? He didn't justify it. He was fearful, but he went anyway. And we need to think in terms of, do we obey the voice of the Lord? Is our heart such that we hear him, we have a hearing ear and a seeing eye, an understanding heart, that we know what he wants us to do? Do we follow through with it? So Samuel did what the Lord said, went to Bethlehem, and the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, do you come peaceably? He said, I, I come peaceably. So it was that they came. He started taking the sons before him, and Eliab was the firstborn. He was tall. He was tall, similar to Saul. He looked the part. He had the right appearance. And Samuel said in his heart, Surely the Lord's anointed is before me. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. 
And then God said these words that we need to capture. He said, For the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the what? At the heart. In Isaiah, it says, My ways are not your ways. My ways are higher than your ways. But he says, Man looks at something different than God does. God looks at the heart. After a lie, six more of Jesse's sons came before Samuel, and the Lord refused them all. And he said, is there any more? He said, there's one tending the sheep. Bring it. And he said, bring him to me. It was David. And Samuel anointed him as king. He's still a boy. He'd not fought Goliath. He's still a boy. God had stripped Saul from being king, and now he anoints David as king of Israel. I want to say a few things to you related to the heart. First thing is, the Lord does not see as man sees. As that scripture passage says, for the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We look at things differently. We look at outward appearances. Many people are worried about their how they look on their Facebook page and their Instagram. And what's their appearance to the public? Do they have a good image? God's not interested in our image. He's interested in our heart. Your looks don't matter as to whether God will use you or not, but your heart is what matters. The second thing I want to do, I want to go from this 1 Samuel, I want to go to the book of Matthew. And Jesus talks about issues related to the heart as well. The first thing I want to share with you is that the Lord does not value as man values. Jesus said in verse 19 of chapter 6 of Matthew, he said, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourself treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroy, where thieves do not break in and steal. You know, we seek to acquire things. It might be jewelry, it might be money, it might be uh, houses, it might be different cars, it might be toys, fishing boats, jet skis. But the question is, what are those treasures really doing? And notice what he says, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moths nor rust destroy. Is it bad to have fishing boats and all that stuff? No, it's not at all. Is it bad to have jewelry? No. Houses? No. But the question is, do you have those or do those have you? You know, what, if, if you were to lose it or something, somebody were to rob you, would it devastate you? You see, man values the things that he can acquire on earth, but God values the things that are eternal, the things that translate into heaven. And there are three things that translate from this life into the next. If you remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the love chapter, the last verse, it says, these three things, faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love are three things that translate from this earthly world into the heavenly world. Faith, hope, and love. You see, Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, Jesus said, Since God looks at the heart, no one knows whatever you... Or, or, he knows that whatever you treasure, 
basically controls your heart. Matthew 6, 21 says, For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where's your heart? Where's your heart today? What are the things that you value? And in Matthew 6, 24, he said, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon, treasures or riches. You see, Saul had a divided heart. He wanted to do what God wanted him to do. But when he saw all those animals, he thought, you know, it's such a waste to take these. I could sacrifice these to the Lord. He had a divided heart. He was loyal to which one? He was loyal to his perspective and not to God's command. How many times do we do that in our life? He said, you cannot serve two masters. And the same thing is true. We can say we love our family. We can say we love our wife. We can say that we love something, but the question is, what do we give attention to? You know, do you spend more time at work than you do with your spouse and your family? What is your loyalty? You can't serve two masters. So how do you know what you treasure? Let me give you one way. You treasure what you, you can tell what you treasure is what you fear losing or that you worry about. In Matthew 6, 25, Jesus said, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. There are many people that fear losing their life. They're scared to die. You know, they fear, they might fear uh, flying. They may fear getting sick. They may fear certain things. But he says, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, or about your body, what you put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Saul feared going against the people instead of fearing God. Samuel feared Saul, that Saul would kill him. But Samuel, even though he feared, he obeyed God. The next thing related to worry is it shows a lack of trust, lack of trusting God. And notice in verse 26, it says, Jesus said, Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? I live in an apartment. I sit on a balcony, and me and my girlfriend, we love watching the sparrows. You know, the sparrows sit on the fence. And uh, I think about, when I see the sparrows, I think about this passage. They don't toil. They don't worry about how they're going to get their next meal. But God takes care of them. And he said, why do you worry about clothing? Fashion's a big deal today, isn't it? He said, consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. And they neither toil nor spin. Yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you and notice what he says oh ye of little faith see worry is a faith issue it's a trust issue where is it that we're trusting are we trusting ourselves to are we leaning and trusting God 
beautiful thing about Israel is when they were led out into the wilderness, they thought, how, where are we, how are we going to eat? But God had manna come down daily. And they were to go out and, gra- and, and gather it. And what was interesting is they gathered it. They gathered enough on the weekend so that they didn't have to work on the Sabbath. But after that day, after a day, it would start to have worms in it. It started to decay. Because, but God provided the manna for them on a daily basis. They were just a, he wanted them to trust him. Verse 31 says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, what shall we wear? After all these things the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. Do we think about the things in our life that God doesn't recognize what's going on? He doesn't know that we have need. In chapter 7 of the, of the book of Matthew, the following chapter, Jesus said, Seek and you shall find. He said, verse, he said, Ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be opened. For everyone who asks receives. Everyone who seeks finds. And everyone who knocks, the door is opened. So what is it that we are to seek? He tells us, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. If we'll make the priority to seek God, everything else will fall in place. If we seek, that doesn't mean that we're not to be concerned about our job or our finances or our relationships. But what we are to do is if we'll put God first, things will go a lot, a lot better. Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. In 1990, Unical shut down, and I worked for them for about 10 years. And uh, I was helping other people find jobs. People asked me, what are you going to do? And I quoted this scripture. I'd say, I will trust in the Lord with all my heart. I'll lean not on my own understanding. In other words, I'm not going to look at my circumstances. I'm not going to look at what my circumstances say. I'm going to trust in the Lord. And I acknowledged him that God will take care of me. He's going to provide. And he did. This, all what I'm saying might be, it may sound like it's real simple, but, but it's not. I can tell you that it's not. Last year, May, May 4th, 2020, COVID hit. All prices went below zero. And I was working for a midstream company as the Director of Government Affairs Special Projects. And I got a call on the phone and said, we're eliminating your job. Hey, I'm going to tell you, that's tough. And you know, I've really had a struggle through the whole, this whole time. And to be honest with you, some of the, this message I'm speaking to myself because I mourned losing that job. But God is saying to me, like he, says to, like he said to Samuel, and he says to all of us, how long will you mourn? How long are you going to worry about the past? It's time to get up and go forward and do what I'm telling you to do. And notice Proverbs chapter 22, verse 4 says, By humility and fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. So 
We're to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. How are we to seek God? We're to seek him by faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Faith is that of seeking him. So how do we have faith? Well, Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of, the, of God. When it says the word of God in the Greek, it's not talking about the logos word or the written word. It's not talking about the spoken word. It's talking about the Greek word rhema, R-H-E-M-A. The rhema word is the word made alive. God speaks to us, and we know it's him. And it somehow connects with our heart, and it speaks to our heart and just becomes alive. That's the faith that he's talking about. In Hebrews 11, verse 1, it says, Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We don't, faith is not something that we see, but it's based on something. It's based on God said it, and he shall perform it, and he cannot lie. Putting our faith and our trust in what God's telling us to do and doing it is the way we have faith. Hebrews 4, verse 12 says, For the word of the Lord is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the division of soul and spirit, the joints and marrow, as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of, the, of what? Of the heart. God knows our heart. He knows whether we're trusting in him or not. So how do we seek God in his kingdom? The way we do it, the way is a person. The way is Jesus Christ. In John chapter 14, Jesus is about to go to the cross. And he says, and I go into, to his disciples, said, I go and prepare a place for you. And I will come again and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And Thomas, oh, doubting Thomas, he said, Lord, we do not know where you're going. How can we know the way? I want to tell you, before I go on, I'm going to tell you something about Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas said, I won't, until I see it with my eyes, until I see the nail prints in his hands and his feet and his side, I will not believe. I want to tell you how much he believed. I went to Madras, India in 1989 to the eastern seacoast of India and that is where the tomb of Thomas is Thomas went from Jerusalem all the way to India preaching the gospel and he was martyred there in India so it wasn't a matter of him having to have somebody prove he said we do not know where you're going and Jesus said to him I am the way the truth and the life He's not a way, he's the way. He's not a truth, he's the truth. He's not a life, he's the life. And he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. I want to ask you, where are you at in your own personal relationship with Jesus? Before I came to know Christ, I would read the Bible and I could not understand it. 
didn't make any sense to me. The second thing I can tell you is that I had a fear of dying. If you would have asked me, if you died today, where would you go? In fact, the night that I received Christ, someone asked that question. Imagine yourself walking up to God and Him saying, what reason can you give me to enter into my heaven? What would you say? And I thought, I love you. And it's like this guy was reading my mind. He said, you may say I love you, but God would shake his head no. You may say I try to live a good life, I try to follow the commandments, but God would shake his head no. He said, there's only one reason that you can give God to enter into his heaven. It's that you've been born from above by the Spirit of God by inviting Jesus Christ into your heart who paid the price for your sin, receiving him as your personal Savior. See, the Bible says in Romans 3, 23, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death. In other words, just as we have received money for the wages of our work, we receive death for the wages of our sin. He said, but the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. Salvation is not something we work for. Salvation is a free gift given to us. Paul said, for by grace are you saved. Grace is a free gift given to you that you don't deserve. If I had a $100 bill and I want to give it to you, you'd have one of three responses. I don't need it. Second response, do you're a liar. You won't give that to me. Third response would be you'd reach out your hand, just accept the free gift. You haven't done anything to receive it, but I give it to you because I want to. And all you do is receive it. It says, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. Romans 5, 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. I was raised Catholic, and I thought that if my good works were this high, my bad works were this high, low, God may grant me an opportunity to go to heaven. But I found out God didn't grade on a curve. It's not a matter of how good I am or how bad I am, because he saw every one of us sinners and he left heaven. He lived a sinless life and he died a cruel death on a Roman execution cross. And his blood was shed in order to pay the penalty of our sin. Not only did he pay the penalty physically, but he paid the penalty spiritually. Because three days he descended into hell. He went to hell for me so that I never have to go. And I'm going to tell you something. I am far from, I may receive Christ, but I have so many issues. But God demonstrates his own love toward us that while we were still sinners, I used to think one day I'll straighten up my act and I'll come to God. You can't straighten up your act good enough to be able to come to him. For while we're yet sinners, Christ died for us. Romans chapter 10, verse 9 and 10 says that if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, with the mouth confessions made unto salvation. 
Romans 10, 13 says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You see, what we must do is admit that we're a sinner and we have a need for a Savior. We must believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that He took all of my sins and was crucified on a cross, that He shed His blood in order to pay the price for sin. See, that's the reason in the Old Testament when they were talking about sacrifices, they shed the blood of animals to cover their sins. But Jesus himself, it says in the book of Hebrews, that he went after he resurrected, he went into the Holy of Holies in heaven and he presented his own blood. He presented his own blood to the Father as a sacrifice for our sins. He didn't just shed his blood on the cross. He, paid, he went to where we should have gone. So believe that Jesus is the Son of God. The third thing is call on Him and ask Him into your heart to be your personal Savior, to forgive you of your sin and give you eternal life. I want to ask you if you would to close your eyes and just, just whisper this little prayer to say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Speak to me what you want me to understand today. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is to convict us of sin and to convince us of, of righteousness. See, if do you, do you want to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you died today that you go to be with God in heaven through Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life? If that is your desire, I just want to think, ask you, would you just... If you want to pray for the first time, would you just slip up your hands? I'd like to pray that prayer. Invite Jesus into my life. Just pray this prayer after me. You can just pray it in your heart. Say, Jesus, I believe. Yeah, just repeat it after me. Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. If I was the only person on this earth you would have came and died for me. I'm asking you now to come into my life. I give to you all that I am, and I turn from my sin and ask you to forgive me of my sin and give me eternal life. As many as were called in the name of the Lord shall be saved. I'm calling on you now and I ask you to be my Lord and Savior. Thank you for forgiving my sin and giving me eternal life. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, come just tell, say, I prayed that prayer. Come to uh, someone else that's on staff and just say, I prayed that prayer. I, I would love to pray with you. But I want to tell you that God looks at our heart. He values things differently than we do. And I want to pray for you. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, I praise you. I thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for each person that's here today. Father, it's, it's tough living in, in the world today. But we thank you that we can trust in the Lord with all our heart. We can lean not on our own, on our own understanding. In all our ways, we can acknowledge you. We know that you'll make our path straight. 
But we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for coming today. And uh, All right. Will you guys give it up for Pastor Mark? And uh, give it up for the people who just received Jesus for the first time in their life. That is amazing. Hey, I got a couple of real quick important things. If you would.